worship team this evening. It, uh, it takes, yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot of volunteers uh, who are willing to work over the holidays and work on Christmas Eve to do this. Uh, these guys are wonderful. Half of this band is in high school. The person running lights is in middle school. It's amazing the, the talent that we have and the people here at this church, so I'm grateful. Now I get to stand up and it's like, well, okay. Um, my name is Johnny. I'm the campus pastor uh, here. You might recognize me from the video. Those are my weekday clothes. These are my Christmas Eve clothes. Um, no, I, uh, I've been watching some TV this Christmas season, and uh, like everybody in the world, I've uh, been spending some time on the internet, and I am seeing constantly, constantly, constantly ads for smart speakers. Smart speakers are everywhere. You've got Siri, you've got Alexa, and you've got uh, Google's very creatively named assistant, Google. Um, yeah, and, and I'm getting uh, ads all the time. So I did a little research. It turns out uh, that one in 10 people will receive a smart speaker as a Christmas gift this holiday season. If you don't have one yet, get ready. It's coming. Um, uh, half of Americans have one of these already in their home. I do not have one in my home, but I do have one in my office. I use it to remind me of things, to send texts uh, sometimes, things like that. Uh, and the other day I was looking at my Google activity, and I realized that my sons, uh, who are three, six, and nine, and who come to church with me early on Sunday mornings, uh, have been using my Google uh, while they are in my office waiting for church to start. And so I thought I would share with you some of the things that my kids are interested in uh, on my Google. So, who made Pokemon? What's the strongest Pokemon? And then I love the next one is just yes. Like somebody who's so excited about an answer, he was just like, yes, yes. Who invented, who invented the who invented books? That's meta, you guys. Uh, hey Google, who made gum? Who made ditto? Which is another Pokemon-themed question. Who invented cars? What are idiots? That's not nice. Uh, hey, Google, is Santa Claus real? It's getting real in my office, you guys. These are just like, now it's stream of consciousness. Who made? No. Who made the Avengers? Who invented Legos? Lots of questions. Play Kids Bop. They, they found out they can play music with this. And then they had a fight. Play Kids Bop. Hey, Google, don't play Kids Bop. Stop. Then we got some Shawn Mendes fans, right? Play Everything is So Different and I Can't Have You. And then the next one, Everything is So Different I Can't Hear You. So that's, that's a deep cut. Who made horses? <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, Google, play Old Town Road. And then uh, Google doesn't always hear the voice of children. They said kids bop. Google gave them kid rock. So <laughs> if you hear that blaring from my office, that's not me, okay? I'm not buying with the ba. Okay, so my kids have realized that their words have a lot of power. They can ask whatever question they want. They can get into arguments with each other and with my uh, Google speaker, and it will respond to them as much as they want. They have found out that it has, uh, they have a lot of power to get information with just their words. And really, all of us know that our words have a lot of power. This is something that we inherently, this is why we learn how to speak. It's one of the first things that we do is because our words have a lot of power. Words are powerful tools. Famous world-changing speeches like MLK's I Have a Dream or Lincoln's Gettysburg Address were built out of words and helped people imagine a future that they couldn't have pictured otherwise. It helped them imagine a new reality. 
Small, quietly spoken words have huge impacts on our individual lives. Words like, I'm proud of you, or I'll miss you. Words like, I love you, or I'm sorry. When a child's first words are mama, there is much rejoicing. And when a child's first words are dada, there's a lot of rubbing it in mama's face. You know what I'm saying? Words have so much power in our lives. They shape our worlds for better or worse. And words have this kind of power to create reality. The gospel writers, even though they didn't have an Alexa, knew well the power of words. They understood that. And so when they endeavored to write down their descriptions of Jesus and the birth of Jesus and the beginning of this person that we know as Jesus, they used words that were full of meaning, words that were pregnant with meaning for the original audiences, and I hope for us here tonight, words that had a lot of value to them. They chose their words carefully. And so tonight we're going to open to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read a little bit of the Christmas story. And we're going to hone in on one of these words uh, that is so powerful and so meaningful. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So tonight when you came in, uh, you should have gotten a little silver envelope with a little uh, ribbon through it, a hole punched in it, and inside that envelope, if you opened yours up, you found a word and uh, a card, and it had a word on it. It had a word on it. So uh, throughout the Advent season, we have asked the people of the bridge, this church, to send in words, to literally text in words that they prayed over your Advent season and your next year. So if you have that word and you read that word, what you're holding there is someone's prayer for you. That's someone's prayer for what you would receive in this upcoming season. We talked about giving a one-word Christmas gift. We had a lot of conversations uh, as a team about what kind of gift could we give people that would be meaningful tonight and uh, that wouldn't break the bank for us, right? What kind of gift could we give that would be powerful, that people might actually want to take home and it would have value to them? And this is what we came up with, this one-word Christmas gift, this word that somebody gave as a prayer for you. And our hope is that you read that and it's powerful for you and, and you liked it so much that you tie a, a little knot in that ribbon and hang that on your tree. And maybe every year you get this word out and you re-remember the prayer that someone here at this church had for you. The one word Christmas gift. So this story that we find in Matthew contains a one word Christmas gift for the whole world. A one word Christmas gift for the whole world. And that word is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
In the midst of what was surely a very confusing time for Joseph, an angel appeared to him and told him that his fiancée was carrying the Son of God. These are words that turned his life upside down. He uh, probably had no way to understand what was even being said to him. He just had to move forward in the same type of obedient faith that Mary herself had to move forward in when she was chosen by God. It turned his world upside down. And then the angel goes a step further, and the angel actually says, I want you to give this baby a very specific name. I want you to name this baby Jesus. And if you send it through a couple different translations, the name Jesus comes out to mean Emmanuel, God with us. The angel says to Joseph, you will name this baby God with us. So the German uh, Theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes the word Emmanuel like this. God raised his love for human beings above every reproach of falsehood and doubt and uncertainty by himself entering into the life of human beings as a human being, by bodily taking upon himself and bearing the nature, essence, guilt, and suffering of human beings." What he's saying is that the humanity of Jesus was something that was very, very real and very, very important. This word God with us means God became flesh alongside us. God uh, became a man in this baby named Jesus. And as I think about that, I realize that it's a lot easier for me to think about Jesus in divine terms than it is to think about Jesus in human terms. It's much, much easier for me to think like that. An angel visits Joseph to tell him that Mary is carrying a baby that was from the Holy Spirit and tells him what he should name the baby. That is not normal human baby stuff. That is not a thing that happens for normal people. So this story is pointing me toward thinking about the divinity of Jesus more than the humanity of Jesus. The whole Bible, in some ways, points my brain more toward the divinity of Jesus than the humanity of Jesus. There's miracles, there's the resurrection. All of these stories make me think, of course I can picture Jesus as divine, but it's hard to picture Jesus as a man. And this picture is, I think, uh, part of the problem. This is like a a Renaissance painting, and baby Jesus is reading the Bible, you guys. He's reading, the baby reads the Bible. That's a divine baby. I think about Jesus in these terms. But it's, this passage is also begging us to see the humanity of Jesus. The humanity of Jesus. The gift of the word Emmanuel is that God really has come for us. God looked out across his creation. God looked out across humanity and saw our frailty He saw the brokenness of the human condition. He saw the pain that plagues us. He saw the doubt and the anxiety that fills up our lives. He saw uh, all of the shame and the guilt that we carry around. God looked out over the creation that so many uh, thousands of years before he had declared as good. God looked out across that and saw us in our broken state in this pathetic place that we are as humans. And God looked at that and chose to enter it with us. God didn't stand far away from us casting judgment, but he came as a child, the weakest and most vulnerable form he could take in order to demonstrate his love and his care for us. So there's an artist named Scott Erickson who did a series of paintings over the Advent season that were uh, intended to highlight the real humanity 
of Jesus. Some of the paintings uh, were a lot, I mean, they were hard for me to look at. Honestly, like seeing Mary giving birth to Jesus is not a picture I ever thought I would look at. And it took me a minute to really like sit with that. I mean, I watch my wife give children, I know, uh, give birth, I know what that looks like, but I never think about it in these terms with Jesus and Mary. This is one of the pictures uh, that he painted. The, the, the dirty diaper says mighty, and over Jesus' eyes says God. Here we go, mighty God with a dirty diaper. I don't like saying that. That feels bad coming out of my mouth, and yet this is what God demonstrated himself to be to us. This is the humanity, the real humanity of Jesus. Jesus wasn't sitting with a halo uh, reading a Bible as a baby. Jesus was like every baby in history, making dirty diapers and doing baby things. This is a real picture of a real baby, and this is a picture of what the word Emmanuel is all about. God with us, a real human baby born into the real human world. And as uncomfortable as maybe pictures like that make us, we need those images because they remind us that Jesus really was a baby. He really was a human being, and it reminds us that God's love isn't something that's impossible to attain, that God's love isn't set with a standard so high that we could never reach up to it. God does not uh, live so far away from us and expect so much of us that it's impossible for us to ever please him. That's not the setup that God gave us. When God entered into the world as a baby, God declared that we have value that the human condition is not so broken that it can't be redeemed. And by entering into this with us, God demonstrated his love and his affection for us. When we only can think about Jesus in divine terms, we miss out on what it means that Jesus really was a baby. I think the author of the Gospel of John might have said it best when he said it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There is all the divinity. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Talking about the power of words this Advent season, a one-word Christmas gift for you as you go out of this place, as you go into the new year, the power of words is really the power of the Word. There in the beginning with God, and yet made flesh to make his dwelling among us. This Christmas, my prayer for you is that this reality, that the Word became flesh, would seek deep into your heart, and you could experience a taste of how much God loves the world and how much God loves you. That when you're in the middle of a situation this Christmas season with family or with friends, when the stress is bearing down on you, when your kids still haven't gone back to school yet and you are at the end of your wits, when you don't know what to do, when you're feeling anxious, when the seasonal disorder kicks in and you're feeling sad because it's dark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, these are real things that God actually cares enough about to become like us. Not to become the most perfect human ever, but to become just a human like us. Fully God fully man. That's the gift of Christmas. The Word became flesh, really human, and the world will never be the same.